Welcome to Quarantine with Lou. I'm your host and strategic partner in cost reduction, Luis Fernandez. And today we're continuing the series of Keep On Leading audiobook that we're doing out here for free. And this chapter is called The Winningest Attitude. <clears throat> and it, the story takes place in North Carolina around 2015. And I came into this job. I was working as a program manager for John Deere. And the first thing that my boss told me was that the morale of the team you're taking over is very low. And I heard this a lot. I've heard it many years of my career of being in leadership. And I've always built myself as you know a go-getter and someone who's willing to take on additional challenges and find creative solutions to problems and you know never letting no stop me. And, and this is all part of the interview spiel. And so, you know, maybe that was what she kind of saw as a challenge when uh, she gave me this. And the the role of a program manager at um, John Deere is is taking a, a product from a concept, from an idea, from a design, and all the way to conception and putting it, building an assembly line and, and getting it out there and then assisting a little bit with some go-to-market activities. And I was given a bit of a throwaway project. So I got this project and I was observing in the meetings and it seemed like, you know, the, I mean, she was right. The morale was low, um, but it seemed like the team felt like they were on a treadmill and they're doing this kind of work that they've been doing for a while and they're not going anywhere. And then they had spent about three years in the preliminary phases of the project. And every time it would reach the level where the funding needed approved and the capital needed approved, it would get kicked down the road. And it sort of became a big joke because the project was named Thunder. And they said, well, you know, it's just like Thunder. It makes a bunch of noise, but that never actually does anything. And um, <clears throat> I was, when I got to the team, I was coming off of a victory with a previous program that I had accomplished, uh, kind of led a team and in about eight months and a quarter million dollars, bought a new product to market at a company that size doing anything in less than three years and $5 million is, you know, it, it's kind of a big deal. So um, a lot of the folks that I, that I mentioned is to, you know, they were kind of skeptical, like, oh, is that project even real? Um, so there's, there's six phases to a program and it's one is developing the business plan, then defining the project, then developing the product, then demonstrating it and then implementing it. And then they call continuous improvement where you just continue to uh, improve upon usually your production operations, your factory operations. And for anyone that's familiar with the military decision-making process or MDMP, you'll see some particular parallels, but uh, this project had never exited phase two, which was the project definition. So they had done a business plan to find the product. And every time they went to develop it, they got kicked back. Um, so for three years, they built a business plan, defined a scope, developed a schedule, built the prototypes, and then got denied funding. And then they go back to the business plan and do it again and again and again. And so it, it was like this slow death to the hope uh, that the team had. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the team members had kind of developed this sort of, you know, they're not high performers because 
as you know, they kind of take on the failure of the project onto their own performance. Um, and in addition, some of the underperforming people in different functional areas have been tossed onto this project as, you know, in other folks, it wasn't their primary role. Like they had another project that was the primary and this was kind of like a secondary thing. And so here I come, I'm full of energy. I'm excited. I'm ready to take on this challenge. And, you know, my boss was telling me this story of the years of the false starts and the back to the drawing boards and spend hours giving me all this bad news. And, you know, the, the return on this project is too low. Like the, the ROI is too low and your team is bad and the engineers are lazy and this is embarrassingly bad and blah, 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 blah. And everything was just doom and gloom and talking bad. And, and, you know, a lot of people probably would have taken that and gotten dismayed. And for me, I saw it as an opportunity. It was like, all right, well, um, I want to be the guy that's going to take this to the market. And in fact, no, I am going to be the guy that's going to take this thing to the market. And in addition, um, I'm never going to talk bad about this team. You know, I believe that everybody had something valuable and they do. I mean, people have, they bring value to the group um, and I want to bring it out of them and, and not put people down. So after a few weeks, I started taking over meetings and pushing the plan. And, you know, I was the guy that was pushing the team and I had this positive attitude and I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to make this, we're going to pass, we're going to get through this. And, and uh, I mean, it was folks were very skeptical that we were going to get through that um, and, and trying to motivate people to do their best and do quality work when they feel like they're uh, wasting their time. I mean, that's a special challenge in and of itself. And so, you know, I had to keep the final goal in mind and keep a positive attitude and meet the naysayers with confidence and assurance that this is going to pass. And each hurdle, you know, confront it calmly, confront it with poise and, and conviction that we're going to find a resolution to this. And in the background, I kept open communication with the senior leaders engaging their receptivity. So the people that are going to approve the funding for this and kind of staying in contact with them, understanding what their thoughts are, what are their hesitations, what are the things that keeps them worried? Why does this thing keep getting kicked back? And so this is in, in a way, you know, for the sales folks is understanding your client, right? Because these are the these are the ones that are going to pay me for this product and understanding them and what they need. And, and as a leader, you know, kind of understanding being able to lead up and down and sideways, you know, at the same time. And so, you know, as I'm having these conversations, I'm having with the same confidence with that same positive and, and just kind of exhuming that with everyone that I'm having a conversation with um, and using this information to kind of gauge, okay, you know, how do we steer this thing in the right direction? And then finally the day came to present the project and I knew which direction our leadership was going to lean, but because of their personalities and, and from having these conversations, I knew they needed to see these options. So for eight hours, weeks of worth of work were culminated and presented into four different courses of action for our leadership to pick. So an eight hour presentation. And the team had been through this before. They've gone through this. And this was kind of a critical moment. And several key members of the team that, that by this point had started to get on board and they were, we were starting to click as a group. And 
as we approach the end of the presentation, we arrive at the decision slide and I stood up in front of all of these directors for a Fortune 100 company. And I said, gentlemen, I implore you to make a decision today. This team has been through this presentation several times. They have explored every possible app option. They've looked at every angle. And what you have in front of you are the only four ways of doing this program. Each one has a set of pros and cons, which we have presented to you today. But I can't stress how important it is that we leave today with a decision. We have snacks in the back. I'm prepared to purchase dinner, answer questions, or be here as long as it takes. But we have to make a decision today. This team cannot go back to the drawing board again. That is not an option. You must pick from one of the four courses of action in front of you or kill this program. <laughs> you know, just going through this now, like that was a wild position to take, uh, particularly the position I was in. Um, but I sat down and that was it. Like I put it all on the table. I showed my team I was willing to go down with them. And, um, you know, essentially my job was on the line. And I stood in front of people that far outranked me and gave them an ultimatum and one which I had absolutely no authority to give, but I delivered it with that poise and certainty that I had used to lead the team to this point. And eventually the directors asked everyone to leave the room so they could discuss in private. And around dinner time, I was summoned to the room and they had arrived at a decision. But before I told the team, they needed to inform the vice president who was out of the country. And the final decision would not come until the next day. But I'm counting it as a victory. <laughs> uh, so they picked the smallest scope and that cost the least amount of money to create. And our plan was we were going to bring that product to market in 18 months. So the project that had sat on the shelf for three years was called Thunder. And we renamed it Project Lightning, a very real action with powerful results, high electric energy, and a short time. And over the next year and a half, the team delivered tremendous results and the morale was at a peak. And other employees in the building, they wanted to come and be on our team and work with us. And those, you know, the low performing uh, folks, they stepped up. They stepped up in tremendous ways and we were clicking well together. And soon Project Lightning went to market and it surpassed every expectation and metric that was defined in that key meeting in the beginning. That, um, and uh, it stayed on schedule, it was under budget and delivered, delivered an ROI that was almost three times what was expected. And, you know, there were a lot of things that went our way over the course of those uh, two years. And, you know, some of it was luck and uh, a lot of it was leadership. Um, but, I mean, none of it would have happened without a confident, can-do attitude to act as the spark for the flame. There, there are always going to be problems. Things will go wrong. Sometimes, even with the best effort and winningest attitude, you still fail. I can guarantee, however, that if you don't have a great attitude, your chances of failure go up exponentially, and your crappy defeatist attitude isn't inspiring anyone. So here's your action. Are you using negative words to describe your team? The truth is that teams 
are a reflection of their leader. So what does that say about you? For the next month, take and make an effort to change your phrases. Rather than call someone lazy, take ownership and say, I need to find a way of motivating them more. Instead of saying someone is stupid, say, let's find out what they're really good at. And try that for an entire month. All right? So good luck out there. I hope you enjoyed chapter two. It's kind of a short one. And uh, we'll stay in touch.